if you can't see the kid without seeing the family, without seeing any, right, the system, because it's very hard to evoke change when they're still working with a kid who has very little power and autonomy and liberty and freedom because they're going to hit a wall because if the system doesn't make a change, nothing's going to make a change. So, you know, instead of realizing of focusing on just on niche problems, it became what are the themes, what are the patterns? And the my therapy became more about moving from stress to success. This can't be it. There has to be more. Wait, am I crazy? No. If you're yearning for more and working hard to make your dreams a reality, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Dreamcatchers. It's the only show committed to helping you self-actualize and then transcend, leaving you with the legacy you've always desired. Listen in on conversations with successful philanthropists, entrepreneurs, and founders every week as we connect with them for inspiration, education, and direction. Your host, Jerome Myers, is here to help you exit the matrix and transform into a leader of your own revolution. The question is, do you believe your dreams should be real? Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Dreamcatchers podcast. I'm your host, Jerome. You guys are in for a treat today. I went down south. I think I went to Fort Lauderdale and I found my main man, Jason. He's been crushing it in the counseling, therapy, and coaching space for a really long time. And I met him at a conference back in May. And I was like, man, I got to get this guy on the show. You know, I don't usually bring on therapists, counselors, coaches. I usually bring on people who have just left the matrix and have been having success in business and entrepreneurship. But this one... I think it's going to be a special treat for you guys. And so, Jason, welcome in, man. Thanks for coming on. It's so great to see you. It was what a, what an awesome way of two people meeting. And we're both in the podcasting world, and we were right. We were there to 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 do our magic, and and for us to just sit and connect and spend the time that we spent together was so awesome. And I'm so 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 excited to be seeing your face again on uh, on Zoom and and having this conversation with you and your community. I'm sure we'll be together before long in person. Yeah. And so for the listeners, I don't ever read bios, right? Uh-huh. But they know that you're qualified to be here if I invited you on, because this is an invite-only show. <laughs> right. So I, I, they want to know who you are. Like, why why should they listen to you? What, what do you know? What's your story? Right. Well, that's a great question in general. It's like, why would, why would anybody want to listen to anybody these days, right? It's It's everybody's... Uh, everybody has their own bias of stuff, but I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. And the interesting thing about how that happened is because I grew up in a family and a life that was full of chaos. I grew up with barely graduating high school at a 1.8 GPA, and I worked really, really hard for that. My parents were going through divorce. There was a lot of struggles and a lot of challenges. And when I started working, I was doing a lot of nonprofit community work, uh, a lot of elementary, middle school, high school programming. I eventually worked doing student programming at Princeton University, and I realized that 95% of my day was having conversations with the students. And 95% of that 95% of the day was about relationships and life purpose and family stuff. And so when I started realizing that I was not going to be staying doing campus programming, one of the students came into my office near the end of the year and 
they were going to do conflict resolution uh, for their masters. And the conversation's like, all right, so what are you doing next year? I'm like, I don't know. I've kind of been thinking about you know becoming a therapist. And we sat down and this person, uh, Jessica, helped me find the program. And I didn't know that there's this thing called marriage and family therapy. I only thought they were psychologists and social workers out there. So, right, in each state maybe has, in, in America, has different licensures or some states have professional counselors or, right, mental health counselors. And they're all, you know, some boards are similar versus, a, you know, there, then there's the whole psychology world of uh, PhD psychology. So I had no clue that there was something called marriage and family therapy. I thought it was just a modality, not a field. But when I saw the philosophy of the program, that it's relationship dynamics it's not just marriage and family. It's about you in relationship to all of the things in your world, whether it's your career, whether it's your health, whether it's your spirituality. That really changed my perspective of what could be. And then I realized that a therapist that I went to a few years before that asked me some really damn good questions. And I remember after the end of the session, I'm like, what type of therapist are you? Because no therapist I've ever gone to has asked me those type of questions. It's usually the well, how does this make you feel? And then they shut up and you talk for an hour and then they're like, all right, time's up, right? As we see on TV and all that other stuff. And this therapist did not do that. Challenge my thoughts, challenge my assumptions, challenge my beliefs. And lo and behold, that therapist was a licensed marriage and family therapist. So when I had that aha, I knew I was going in the right direction. And subsequently, that's where and what I'm doing. And, um, to be able to walk into a, a, a session with someone and not say, well, how does that make you feel? But what are your assumptions, belief, expectations, and intergenerational themes and cultural themes and gender themes and religious themes and family traumas and stuff that's informing your worldview versus, oh, you have a diagnosis. Oh, you have ADD. Oh, you have anxiety. Is a much healthier, much more proactive, much more strategic way of thinking. And then as I evolved in my own entrepreneur journey, I realized that I have this massive, massive passion for two things. One is integrative and alternative medicine. And two is working with entrepreneurs because of my own beliefs that I had to let go. Being a scholarship kid, being the kid who didn't have anything, being the, the kid who was around people who had a lot of money and my family didn't. And I had to let go of my beliefs that came through my entrepreneur journey that now allowed me to become working with a lot of entrepreneurs and businesses in addition to my general practice. Now, you said you're the scholarship kid. Yeah. You had a 1.8 GPA. Yeah. Wait, what's going on here? Right. So, so the scholarship was to go from public school to private school in high school. And I never was the bad kid. I just had no clue what was flying. I'd rather talk to people. I'd rather be connected to people. And like I said, my, that, that eighth grade to 12th grade was just chaos. High conflict parents divorce. Um, I remember once I was in a session, I don't think I've ever shared this on someone else's podcast, but I remember I was in a session a few years ago with a client and they were talking about the police coming to their house during some type of conflict multiple times. And I then realized, I'm like, holy crap, the police used to come to my house multiple times during my parents' conflict. And they use the word, you know, domestic violence. And I'm like, oh my God. I grew up in a home of domestic violence, right? So even though I'm a therapist, even though, you know, by looking at me, you would think that, you know, as this white Jewish kid from Florida, from South Florida, there's privilege and there's these things. And yes, there are privilege at certain levels, but to never assume that like this guy grew up in a home that was full of domestic violence 
would not ever cross someone's mind. And that's a really interesting thing to put out into the world of one embracing, you know, and understanding that domestic violence doesn't have to look a certain way and be in the specific community for it to exist. And two, to embrace the story of, holy crap, that was awful. What did I shut out of my mind? What did I have to be forced into to work, to survive, to move? You know, my, my success is survival versus I get to do this for many years. So when talk about the scholarship kid, right? Yes, the privilege was I had access to people that wanted to give scholarships to certain people like me that were motivated and uh, involved in the Jewish community and doing youth work and youth and camp and volunteering. And right. So I had that positive side going. And because of that, I had access to that. But all the other chaos came along with my life at that time. So that was the catch 22, right? And, and we're talking here about like people who have left the matrix. We each have to leave our own emotional matrix of the stories and the, the, the victimhood that we carry in order to start our true healing journey. Now you've got an integrated practice yeah. and I just made that up, right? I don't mm -hmm. know that there's a formal definition for this, but for the purpose of this episode, we're going to call it integrated practice. One where sure. you do coaching, you do mm -hmm. therapy, and you do counseling. Is that yeah. a fair assessment of what you do? In your yeah, life? yeah. So I would say that separate from the coaching modality, right? And let's well, I'll, I'll I'll kind of put it in one way, and then I'll flip flop it, and I'll say it another way. Maybe between the two things, we'll we'll make sense of it. Starting off as a licensed therapist. Right. We would think that people are coming to a licensed therapist because they're either a gen general practice, like you go to a general practitioner, right? Family medicine or general practitioner, or you're going because there's a specific issue that that therapist specializes in or issues or themes that that therapist specializes in and you go to them for that. So I realized over the years that I do a lot. I thought I was going to be working only with kids because I was the kid that went through all these things and I had a, you know, not so great therapist as a kid. So I wanted to be. I'm taking my personality and my youth and camp stuff and stuff that I did as a, before I was a therapist and now to see kids in therapy, but it realized that seeing the family as a whole, and if you can't, if you can't see the kid without seeing the family, without seeing any, right, the system, because it's very hard to evoke change when they're still working with a kid who has very little power and autonomy and liberty and freedom because they're going to hit a wall because if the system doesn't make a change, nothing's going to make a change. So you know, instead of realizing of focusing on just on niche problems, it became what are the themes, what are the patterns? And the my therapy became more about moving from stress to success. Now, it, it could be anxiety. It could be post-divorce. It could be I'm getting out of a toxic relationship. It could be that I'm fighting depression. So that's where all of the mind-body stuff started coming in because I had panic attacks about 11 years ago that were awful. And I only healed it through using this mind-body modality called neuroemotional technique that I'm now a certified practitioner in. So I had this mind-body integrative medicine practice. It's not just therapy. We're going to talk about nutrition. We're going to talk about supplements. I'm going to do this neuroemotional technique modality that you and I, right, I showed you that and, um, right, and, and you saw the, you know, how cool that was and how quickly we get to a core issue using muscle testing and Chinese medicine meridian points and figuring out how the body and the mind stores physiological stress patterns. And then as I started doing, like I said, my entrepreneur journey of figuring out what my blockages are about becoming successful, I'm a good therapist, but I wasn't a successful therapist. 
And that's where I started doing business coaching and business coaching programs and realized, holy crap, I had my own issues about money and beliefs about money being this kid who came from that, that that helped me pivot into that space of now I can work with this particular entrepreneurial minded, they don't have to be owning their own business, but entrepreneurial minded individuals. So now that practice has evolved, except so the therapy is basically they're coming in because there's maybe a concern of stress uh, around a particular thing that might eventually be called a diagnosis. And I'll use those tools, neuroemotional technique, the integrative medicine stuff to help that along with the same, you know, challenging questions of assumptions, belief, and expectations, but I'll also work in some of the stuff from the coaching world. Well, tell me about your core values, couple. Right. I can't help you if I don't know what your individual core values are. I would never ask that before I started going into the coaching business world. And now every session, whether it's therapy or coaching, I start off with, I can only help you after I know your core values. So it's interesting how there's that overlap and how one side is influenced the other and how I become a much better practitioner because of both. So therapy, people assume, so to break it down again, therapy is because you assume that there's something uh, emotionally or so to speak, clinically going on that you, uh, right. The misnomer is that, right. That you only go to therapy because you have something negative going on and people think, well, going coaching is because I want to make things better from what they already are, or I'm challenged in a particular area of life that I know is accessible to me. I just don't know how to get there. And I believe that my practice as a therapist who coaches as well as a therapist who does therapy, that it's the best of both of those worlds. Wow. So you talked about these alternative. I don't know if you call them practices. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you call them modalities. Well, what's a modality? That's a big fancy word. Let's start there. Yeah. So a modality or a practice, I mean, I would call them interchangeable, right? You know, I guess the practice is doing it and the modality is what it is, right? So neuroemotional technique is a, is a modality. It's a integration of a few different things that Dr. Scott Walker, who's a chiropractor about 35 years ago, started developing. And realizing that physical pain and physical stressors have a major significant emotional component. And you can go for your rehab and your PT and your all these other things or your orthopedics. And But if there's an emotional component that's going on, then the injury will never truly heal. Because here's, here's the, the mic drop number one of our conversation is emotions aren't psychological, they're physiological. In other words, our, our biochemistry has something called a neuropeptide. And the neuropeptide is a biochemical structure that actually has been proven to carry emotional code in it. So that pain in your shoulder that won't go away, that you're going for PT and acupuncture and chiropractic and orthopedic rehab and you got x-rayed and MRI, whatever it is, and it's not getting better after doing all those things, there's probably most likely an emotional component that's locking that up. And that's the whole point of, of neuroemotional technique. Emo, I, I would call it emotional allergies, self-limiting, un, unaware, self, con, you know, unconscious self-sabotage that we don't even realize there. And we find those things in a, uh, to, to help people process through stuff much more efficiently, less resistance, more proactivity. So people are like, what is this guy talking about? Right? Right. There, so you're telling me that something happened and I had an emotional reaction. Maybe there was some trauma or something. I had mm-hmm. an emotional reaction. And my body hurt because of something that happened in my mind or my feelings? Well, I'll even take it to a whole other level. Imagine that you have some type of craving for 
food or uh, substance or shopping or right and that any type of distress of something that is not allowing you to be fully proactive and is causing you to go into some type of response that doesn't serve you is probably because there's one of four things going on or a collection of a few one is emotional two is there's some type of toxin you've been exposed to that's affecting your biochemistry from effect from a functioning as fully as possible. Third is nutritional deficiency. And, and fourth is structural, right? It actually just might've been a physical injury, right? So neuroemotional technique practitioners, we, folk, we, we look at all four of those domains. We can assess all four of those domains and we can figure out which ones need to be healed. But 90, I would say 90% of the time, they're going to still show up with some type of unconscious and subconscious emotional stressor that's embedded in our physiology. That is holding us back from achieving something, whether it's about money issues and raising the prices of a product or, you know, if you're, you're coaching and, you know, you want to raise your fees and you want to like all the unconscious or subconscious things that are holding you back from doing that with consistency and congruency and proactivity. Because if you're not fully invested in it and you can't get there, you can't ask for it. And therefore you're not going to, you're not going to receive what you don't believe. Oh, and you will receive what you believe. Yeah. The universe will never (laughs) give you. Right. The universe will always give you that which you believe. Right. Talk about that from the law of attraction side, but that's all neurology 101. The law of attraction stuff is all neurology and physiology. That's all it is. And so we're a magnet. Yeah. And now imagine what we're walking around with not being aware of and then walking through the world and bumping up against persons, places, and things and wondering why we're so frustrated, annoyed, bothered in the times that we're not getting that which we hope for or want. And that's the level that I get to play at with my clients. So a lot of people who are licensed as therapists Mm -hmm. have disdain for the coaching modality. Sure. In some words, they detest coaches. Mm -hmm. As somebody who utilizes both, you're on the other end of that spectrum, I would assume, because I, I don't think you would detest yourself. So right. help, help, help us walk down that path for the people who feel like, oh, well, really all you need is therapy or counseling. You, you, right. like coaching is a joke. Right. So let's be really clear. There are amazing therapists and they're really crappy therapists. And there are amazing coaches and there's really crappy coaches. So let's just start off with that. And like in every field, right? Humans are humans. And there's people that are really good and, and, and good at their craft. And there are people who really think that they're good at their craft and want to be good at their craft and have no clue that they aren't. So, and I run, and you and I run into that. It's the same thing with a restaurant. Oh, we're, we're the best. We're the number one in wherever, right? And they're crap. So, number one, therapy, people assume that therapy is only about when you have a problem. So, that's the misnomer, number one. And what I think coaches have done successfully over the last, or the coaching industry has done successfully over the last 10 years, is that we, you aren't coming to us because there's a clinical diagnosis, right? So this is really a marketing and advertising thing, number one. Coaches have done an amazing job of marketing and advertising advantageously that separates diagnosis and pathology from success and health and motivation. Meanwhile, me as a therapist who's systemically trained, one of the models of therapy that we were trained in is called solution-focused therapy. Well, guess what? There's solution-focused coaching. And what is that based on? Solution-focused therapy. And solution-focused therapy is about, not about to sit in my office for 
20 years and just give me a debrief about your stressors. It's what is the outcome that you would like to have? What are the attempted solutions that you've already tried? What is the, if you woke up in the morning and a miracle happened and you're getting what you, that which you want, what would you be noticing that is happening from that miracle? Even if you didn't know that overnight this thing happened, what would you be noticing differently to you, to the things around you? What would people be noticing around you? And then focusing and putting action into that story versus the old story. So if we're calling, you know, again, coaching, I think every therapist could coach. Not every therapist is trained in the solution-oriented versus diagnosis and pathology-based thing. And I think that's where old-school counseling, old-school therapy, and let's just, for the sake of our conversation, let's, let's interchange therapy counseling and psychology as that world. That the way that I was trained as much more solution-oriented, language-based, belief-based, assumption-based, gender, hierarchy, religion, culture, all those things are, are creating stories and narratives that we either have chosen to buy into or have not realized that has been forced upon us to buy into is what I think coaching has capitalized, where it's separated the pathology and the diagnosis away from action steps and where do you want to be? I don't need to know your 30-year history. I just need to know, can we clearly delineate between where you are and where you want to be? And let's get there. Yeah, I I had someone once say to me that coaching is about the future Mm -hmm. and therapy counseling is about the past. Correct. And I think that's the greatest marketing invention that coaches have come up with. And because you're talking about, like, tell me about your mother, you know, old school Freudian therapy, which my great uncles, my grandmother's two brothers are MD psychiatry, but they don't do the meds as much as they do the counseling, but they have clients for 20, 30 years. And I'm like, dear Lord, like that would drive me crazy. And that would drive my my clients crazy because that's what it was. In other words, people are still judging therapy on what was in the 1950s, 60s, 70s, and 80s versus, and even my field, the marriage and family therapy systems, postmodern thinking is still fighting against that because again, marketing and branding, talking about going back into the business idea, those, you know, it's kind of like people in the politics world. It doesn't mean that there's more people who believe a certain way. They just might be louder. They might be more annoying. They might be willing to be more in your face. In a way, I congratulate the coaching world for doing that and being better today at marketing. Because remember, it's one, it's unlicensed. There is not a state in the country or in the world, let's even be able to, that is, there's something called a licensed coach. There's no such thing. It's a self-certifying organization. There are two organizations that are the main centralized ones, but there is no rule anywhere in the world that says in order for you to become a coach, you actually need to take any type of training or have type of supervision or meet any type of credentials, ethics, or laws and rules that is protected in order to keep a consumer safe. ICF, the International Coaching Federation, and one or two other federations have decided to create that and become the clearinghouse and the bare minimum standards of that, and good for them, right? But as I joked when I first met you, right, anybody who's listening, if they're sitting and down right now, if they bounce their leg up and down five times, congratulations, you're a coach. That's the problem, right? And in our free market, great. We're a free market country, right? So you can, but it's a non-regulated, non-licensed industry. So knowing what one wants and what needs 
you have to find someone who's a master of what they're doing of the goal that you want, but also knowing that like, you know, if you're going to be talking about family and emotions and stress and, and, and knowing what the difference is between, you know what, this might not be serving a coach to see this person needs to be seen by a therapist. And sometimes for me, it's like, oh, well, you know, this is not a clinical issue. I will best serve you as a coach. And knowing the difference between the two, but a lot of times people don't. Consumers don't, and a lot of times, unfortunately, coaches don't. There are many coaches, like I said, who do and are great at that, And there's, but there's, unfortunately, I would say more often than not, there's people who are like, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. I'm going to tell you what to do with yours. So... <laughs> I'm great at giving advice. Right, right, right. Everybody tells me I'm so I'm so easy to talk to and I love talking to my friend. Well, you know, that just means you might not have good boundaries. So boundaries. for those people. Yeah. Well, that's all another conversation there, boundaries, right? It's an interesting word and it's interesting to watch how people try to impose those on other folks. Yeah. I think boundaries are there to protect the person that's being impacted. Yeah. And I would add to that, I think it would be even honoring the difference in the other person, right? So one of the beautiful things that I love about the community, you and I met in a very specific business community, um, and there are people from all over the country, from all different backgrounds, and it was so cool to have conversations with people that think differently and live differently and may even vote differently. But knowing that they're shared common denominators where the humanity is more focused on than the differences. And I think when we talk about a good boundary, it's not right. It's not about a good boundary means, you know, you go over there, you live your life and I'm going to like, you know, I don't really want you to exist, but I'll put up with you. It's, oh, we have way more in common than what we don't. And I honor that. And now I may not want to go with you to church and you may not want to go to me with me to synagogue, but you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, fight for your right to, to go to church and, and hopefully you'll fight for my right to go to synagogue and they don't have to be the same. Right. So a lot of people want to unlock their ultimate potential, but lack the strategy, support and stamina necessary to achieve their major goals. They often try to overcome these challenges by trying to do it on their own, causing frustration, fatigue and eventually failure. We have developed a model for a center life, a.k.a. the red pill, to help them bolster their beliefs, gain clarity on their path to success and provide accountability as they take action on their goals. When they take the red pill, they rapidly accelerate attainment of their goals and begin to experience a life of significance and impact. Want to find out more? Hop over to JeromeMyers.co. Now, let's get back to the episode. Yeah, and I think everybody gets that choice, right? They get to choose where they're going to participate. And Correct. I don't think anybody really gets to decide for them whether or not what they chose is the right answer. Right. Uh, they're the ones that have to deal with the consequences of the choice. Yeah, right? and I think that's where, unfortunately, right, the political world is forcing upon people and you know when we have only a two-party system and one is right and the other one is wrong or or therapy versus coaching one is right and one is wrong versus you know, listen, everybody should be an, an informed consumer everybody should be an investigative reporter but also knowing that there are experts in specific areas and specific things that um if you're struggling in a certain area tying this back into therapy and coaching right i'm not gonna I'm not going to ask a neighbor of mine who's living in the same apartment complex as me for financial advice, even if they're a financial advisor. I'm going to ask the people I know 
like some of the people that you and I have met and people who are doing passive income investing and and know how to leverage your taxes and have multiple business structures and are living a life of freedom versus, you know, someone who claims himself to be a financial planner or financial advisor. Yeah, but you live in the same place. Why would I want to take financial advice from you? You know, so we have to be very clear on what's the outcome. And I think that's about being deliberate. You know, it, it's knowing when you and I met, we were both there for the same reasons. We wanted to connect with multiple people, but we also had a job to do, right? We were podcasting. We were also part of the community for the weekend. We were there to make deliberate, intentional connections and relationships of which this is why we're having this conversation. I think if people can become more deliberate around their intentions, I think that things are going to get a lot easier. And then going back to core values, right? What, what's, what's allowing you to say yes or no? What's allowing you to get on your red carpet or not allowing you to get to your red carpet so the doorman doesn't have to throw somebody out once they got let in when they shouldn't have gotten let in? That'll make life so much easier. Yeah, I, I had someone explain to me it's the bouncer at the club, right? And people get the right to come in, but they can be escorted out just as quickly as they came in. Sure. Regardless of who they are. Regardless of who they are. And I would even amplify that by saying... Imagine if you had it very clearly broadcasted that in order to even get on the red carpet, you have to meet a certain set of qualifications so that the doorman knows with absolute certainty who gets let in and who doesn't, because it takes a lot more effort to get them out after they've gotten past the doorman than it does to say no up front to not let them in in the first place. This is a very interesting rabbit hole to go down because I think so many people are choosing their relationships based on proximity. Mm -hmm. This is where I work. This is where I live. This is where I hang out socially. Da, 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 da. Right. And because these are the places, then these people just by proximity are the ones who are in my life and impacting my life because people can't be in your space without having impact. Is that fair? And I would call that the lowest common denominator, lowest hanging fruit paradigm. It's just what's there. So you accept that which is. Versus, again, being discerning, being strategic. And we're not talking about being strategic in a way that's manipulative. And I think what, what I find commonly about what you just said is that people are afraid of being seen as judgmental in a way that they, in, a, in an area that they don't think that they have to be. And what I call it is it's, it's, it's being discerning. There's a big difference between being discerning and being judgmental, right? And, and we see people do that with the brands that they choose to wear, the car that they choose to buy, the neighborhoods they choose to live in. Why did you choose to live in this one versus that one? Well, that's not judgmental. That's discerning. Why did you choose one microphone over another microphone? Why did you choose this office location versus a different office location? Right? That's not being judgmental. That's being discerning. In other words, you, you want, you're making choices on what will give you the best possible outcomes versus just accepting what is and making do and trying to hopefully scal uh, be scavengers and salvage that which is and make the best out of making do. And I think if we can pivot our whole entire mindset over what's the highest common denominator versus the lowest common denominator, and I see that people do that in dating and relationships, it's what's success acceptable to them. Oh, this person's giving me attention, so therefore I'm going to go for it versus, well, but why... What, what is it about them? What is it about the values that you're looking for in a person? Now, if you're looking just to date to date, great. But if you're looking for a long-term relationship, you're looking for to potentially build a family, you're building, right? You're looking at, you want to look at values. You want to look at, you want to ask questions. You want to know things sooner than later. 
But people are afraid of that because they're afraid of being judgmental, whether it's in business, whether it's in friendship, whether it's in whatever it might be. So with your training, would you say that relationships are the biggest influence on the quality of our lives? Yeah. So in, in systemic thinking, systems theory thinking, everything is a relationship. Everything. Right? You're, you, you and I are both in front of a microphone, and it's the relationship between proximity to the microphone to get the best sound out of it, matched with the volume on our fader, that if one of those three things are off, we're not going to get the best out of that which is, right? Everything is that. That metaphor is a wash and repeat, that there are, two, there are multiple components or multiple people or multiple factors that are always going on, and they have to be looked at and leveraged to become the best version of each one of those things to work in unison with the things that are going on around it. Now, what happens if you don't have control over one of those things? Like your partners woke up this morning and they're really in a bad mood, or you aren't sure when your next deal is going to come through and now you're getting moody and cranky. Those are things we can't control, but we can control our reaction, our beliefs, assumptions, and expectations around it. In other words, we are or we are not in an economic challenge right now in, in July of 2022. Or we can also say, but it's summer and everybody minus water parks and malls right before everybody goes back to school and Home Depot and Office Depot or whatever, right? Uh, places where people are, have children and they're buying school supplies and clothing and stuff like that. A lot of industries do have a little bit of a downturn during summertime. And that may have nothing to do with the economic situation as all. Well. This is just the cycle of the year. No different than the end of December from Thanksgiving till New Year's where it slows down for a lot of people's business too, right? So again, context is so freaking important. Looking at patterns, looking at cycles is important. And it's that when you're talking about the relationship, that it's the relationship to those things that helps have insight and strategy of how to solve a problem, whether it's in an emotional situation or a professional situation. Oh, so is it fair to say that you can't solve the problem in the vacuum. You can never solve a problem in the vacuum because you're only getting the echo chamber of that which already is and that which would already was, and that will only get you the outcome of where you're at now. So in other words, what got you here won't get you there. Now, even though there might be many people who have gotten to a level of success, that's great. And you can only continue to go at the pace and the, um, you know, the, the level, you know, that percentage of increase based on that data and that insight and that support and the accountability, and that will continue. So if someone's happy with 1%, then great, right? Let's just call it 1%, right? Just for the sake of the conversation. But if someone's like, you know, but I do need, uh, I do have a goal. I want to have a passive income thing, or I want to, I want to figure out my relationship and see if this is the right relationship for me to be in or not. Well, then you might need what got you here to being in this relationship may not be the questions, assumptions, and expectations and dynamic and engagement with that person that will get you to the next step. And that's where someone like what I would be doing would come into your life. So a lot of people try to compartmentalize and segment stuff and pretend like one thing doesn't affect the other. Yeah. What do you say to those folks? Well, again, go back to the system. Everything is connected to everything. And what's the common denominator? So let's say, right, perfect example is 
you and I are talking and you're like, Jason, here are five or six different areas of my life. And I would start asking you specifically, well, what do you want out of each of those four or five, six areas of life to maximize them? And I'll then ask you what's holding you back. And you might give me five or six different answers based on those different categories. And my job is to help you sift and sort through the common denominator or common denominators that usually it's two or three threads of attempted solutions that are based on conscious or unconscious beliefs about how to get these things done that we will find that's kind of the Jenga piece we need to yank so that what's holding you back will disappear and we can put into place a healthier, more proactive, more strategic way of, of, of accomplishing those categories. Do you think most people have the capacity to sift through and find the best answer alone? Well, I think that's where like contemplation, meditation, self-care, quiet time, reflecting, journaling, whatever person's personality predisposition might maybe take them to naturally or by getting themselves uncomfortable and stepping into that. But my, you know, I don't know anybody, and I'm sure you've heard this, this example and metaphor too, is that do we really know anybody that is of high success factors in their life that have done it purely and solely by themselves? So in other words, every athlete has athletic trainers and personal trainers and massage therapists and their PT and their acupuncturists and every, right? So those are people in their life that are bringing them, that are experts in their area that they can take to help capitalize the goal of that person's success. So the way I would say therapy and coaching is, is that it's, it's who you, we, we all may have, depending on our, our level of insight and self-reflection and ownership of our own crap and, and healing journeys. And, and obviously some people definitely need more help than others. And we're talking about within normal limits of, of your typical normal healthy human being. We're not talking about people who have, you know, significant or severe let's say personality disorders or anything that would be something that would not be the scope of the people I'd be working with. So we're talking about the average worried well, the average human being. It, it, it depends on one again, are you willing to commit and make time for yourself to listen to podcasts, go on YouTube videos, read some books, read articles, talk to other people, be, get out of sight of your comfort zone, change up the five people that you spend your most time with that are all doing the same thing. Because if you're all doing the same thing and no one is really growing, I love that Gary V line. If you're like, you know, you, you are who you, right. If, if, if you're trying to figure out who the loserest friend in your group is and you know, of, of who's the least successful and you can't figure it out, it's probably you. Right. So it's a harsh way of saying, of looking at it, but like, you know, we, 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 go, we, we, by default, go to the lowest common denominator because there's that, that's the path of least resistance, but we don't have to make the changes difficult either. We don't have to make the difficult things so difficult. So I think that's where, when we have people who are side view and rear view mirrors and head and, and, and high beam headlights into our life, we add them. I think we will get much more health and simplicity and leverage and possibility and happiness is an inside job, and happiness is an emotion that comes and goes. So I would never say focus on happiness, focus on fulfillment and meaning and purpose. But when we bring those people in to help us get there at whatever level, whether it's a massage therapist or it's a, a better accountant or it's a coach or it's your podcast and listening to that more, that that's going to contribute to that outcome being much more uh, exponential of success and outcomes. I love that. 
So for the person out there who is like, I don't think there's a problem, but I heard Jason say it's not just about problems. When should they seek support? Because I, I think most of us think it's it's okay. I'm okay. I don't need help. Yeah. But is that real? So let's start with the assumption at the back end of the session, the way that you loaded it, which is what a lot of people um, are still stuck in. So there's an old joke that says, you know, back in the day, people used to think that if you have a therapist, there's something wrong with you. And in a place like New York City, where, you know, if you watch any movie from the 80s and 90s, like you'll probably see them talking about or going to their therapist, that in New York, they used to say, if you don't have a therapist, what's wrong with you? And I think that as a culture, we've shifted a lot more towards that, you know, New York, go to your therapist every week mentality. But I would say let's take it even higher is that there doesn't, there doesn't have to be something wrong for you to capitalize on your potential. There doesn't have to be something wrong to realize that you're leaving meat on the bone and it doesn't take that much effort or energy to have greater outcomes. But we also have to rub up against something to, to have that self-awareness and insight to say, what if there is something more out there for me? What if this relationship can be better? What if my business, my company, my career, my, my job can be more fun, more meaningful, more purposeful? What if I can dare to say, how dare I have the audacity to ask for more? Because that starts with, a, that's an inside job. And if you're not working with someone, you know, in the therapeutic world to challenge those things, then you get that which is and will be. Man, this has been outstanding. I, I love the way you, you contemplate the questions and then deliver a comprehensive answer. I think so many people give you a piece. They give you something that's glib and un unevaluated is probably the only way that I can describe it. You you spend time evaluating it before you share it in yeah. a very small amount of time. So Jason, I, I really appreciate that. And I appreciate you, you know, open up the kimono a little bit. A lot of people want to talk about the things we talked about early on in the podcast. Yeah. They would only want to jump to, Hey, here's my training. Here's who I've helped. And here's the results I've been able to get just been authentic and transparent throughout. And I think that's the thing that drew me to you most is like, hey, man, like, yeah, I, I do this work. And I think a lot of people, counselors is what I will call us, uh, we feel like we've got to be above reproach. We feel like we've got to have it all together. Yeah. And I think all of us are on our own journey. Absolutely. Having the idea, the thought, the concept that we might be perfect self-sabotaging in and of itself and prevents us from actually making progress. So I just think you're a great example what some people should be modeling if they're interested in, Pat, why do you say raise your leg five times so you could be a coach or actually going <laughs> yeah, through the Bounce it up and down process. five times. Congratulations. Yeah, right. I mean, it's tough because like my own journey, like there's not one thing about my journey how do I say this? If it wasn't through the trials and tribulations and doing the nitty gritty, I'm nowhere near done and I'm just getting started. 
So it's not like I'm sitting here with my clients and I tell them this all the time. I'm like, oh yeah, like I'm going to, I can call you out in two different ways lovingly. One is like, okay, well, here's what all the books say and here's what my training says. And then if, but I can also say like, ooh, I've done that before and that didn't work. So that probably might not work for you too. And again, I'm not giving them advice from that perspective. I'm like, well, here's what I'm finding from majority of my, let's say my couples, right? My couples got, and I'll say like, this isn't, but this isn't working for any of my couples. So why are you, why do you think you're going to be the only ones at that, that, that attitude or that mindset will work for you when, you know, I see over a thousand client sessions a year and 20 to 40% of those are couple sessions. So multiply that you know, times since 2005, when I graduated to 2022, why do you think you're going to be the one couple that's going to do what you're doing now and get a different outcome? Right. Cause I know that didn't so work. That's, that's a snowflake. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. So, and then I'm also talking to my friends and I'm seeing this and you watch, you know, don't, you know, don't take your advice from the bachelor and the bachelorette. So, you know, the struggle is real. I think if we honor the struggle, if we become more vulnerable in that regards of like, it's not, there's a difference between being vulnerable and toxic dumping. And that's a whole nother conversation for another time. But being vulnerable is, you know, capitalizing on the strings versus just like sharing all your crap and like just throwing it up ever over on everybody. But I think if there's based on what you were saying is I honor and acknowledge I'm a massive work in progress. And I don't take that for granted for any second. And I know that there are times where I'm completely full of crap in my own ego. And, you know, as, as the great famous psychologist, Dr. Cube once said, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Um, it's, it's, that would be ice cube for those of you who didn't know him as a psychologist. I think that's, I think that's like sage advice. If we just do that, just check yourself before you wreck yourself. That's everything. I think that's the con- the the conglomerate of everything you and I have talked about today. Is that <laughs> outstanding? And so, Jason, the final question, the one I yes, end sir. every show with, is: What do you want the listeners to take away? What's the one thing? Do the work. Even if you aren't, get, surround yourself with some people. I love, I love having people ask this question. You probably have seen it on social media. Is if you post on your Facebook or on your social media, if you're a social media user, or if you just have people around you, like you know, like ask them what are you best at. What are, what are, when they think about you? What are the top three things that come up in their mind positively about you? What do you right? One of the other questions which I love is if you were to give a TED talk, what would you be giving the TED talk on? So for for each person to come up with that answer, but then ask the people out there. You'll have some really funny answers also, right? I joke one of my TED Talks is how to go on a date and convince and convince a woman to buy a squatty potty even if you're never going to go out with her again. That's right. Like we may not go on day two, but I'm gonna, but I'm gonna help you have more effective bowel movements because you know it's very important to have because if your body's not working, nothing's working. So right, so you can have a lot of fun with that, but you can also learn a lot about yourself, Ken, because like you want people in your life who are gonna be your side view and rear view mirrors to help you get the best out of you, and and you have to be brave enough and have the audacity and be and not give yourself crap about when someone says, you know what, like here's some areas that you can work on that'll make you even more of an awesome human being, and I don't even know if you noticed it. But we love you and we'd love to see you work on this more. And that that's brave. So if y'all that are listening can maybe even can do one of those three things. Or if you want more ideas, you know, hit me up. Happy to give more ideas. So where can they find out more about you? Yeah, so podcast uh is probably the easiest way is you winning life. It's on all platforms. Instagram, uh also you winning life or Jason Wasser, W A S S E R. 
E-R, excuse me, L-M-F-T, uh, Jason Wasser L-M-F-T on Instagram as well. Or just Google me. Easy. I'm very easy to be found as, I'm, as I know you're easy to be found on all the platforms. So yeah, that's okay. it. Jason, thank you for being so generous with your time, sharing your wisdom. I took a lot away from this conversation. I know the listeners did as well. Thank you. Yeah, this is this is such a beautiful thing to know that there are people that are so passionate about what you're doing and what you're doing and bringing to your community. And, and, I, and I really don't want to take any of that for granted because it's a powerful thing to, to be bold and have the audacity to say, you know what I need? I know there, there's something that I can share and bring to my community. And, um, and I have tremendous amount of respect for, for that, what you're doing. So keep it up. Thank you. And to the listeners, your dreams should be real until the next episode. Thank you for joining the tribe today. We would love to hear from you. Please don't forget to rate, like, and share. Perhaps someone you know could benefit from what we've discussed. Until the next time, remember that your dreams should be real.